Street Sports today presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao. Today I'm not joined by Maurice Patton. He is on his way back from Cadillac, Michigan. So it's just me today. Trust me, you won't have to just listen to me. I've got plenty of friends who will be joining me throughout the show. We're looking forward to a fantastic show as we get ready and bring you all of the news from around the sports genres at 220 today it's nascar wednesday which means heather williams will join us looking forward to talking about the charlotte roval the playoff cutoff and the upcoming trip out to vegas for nascar so make sure to stick around for that of course braves chatter we've got david wilson who will join us from Robertson County, former Columbia State baseball standout down here, but also massive Braves fan. And so looking forward to talking a little bit about game three tonight, as well as the other divisional series, including one that's over. So it's going to be a, a fantastic first hour. Hour number two starts with Terry McCormick. We'll get your daily Titans report. We've got a little bit extra to talk about as the injury reports will hopefully be out by then. And we'll, Talk about what to expect, of course, as they go to London and maybe some about Roger Goodell's comments uh, regarding London. So there's that. And finally, NBA season is just around the corner. And we are going to talk with Xavier Smith of the Wilson Post and the Main Street Media family. But massive NBA guy. Going to talk to him about what he thinks uh, that we should be looking for this season. Uh, obviously, the Grizzlies have have an uphill battle. The Bucks now have uh, Dame, and Zion Williamson is healthy for now. So, curious to see what his thoughts are on the upcoming NBA season. We'll talk to him in the second hour. And of course, it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world, all coming your way in the final segment. In segment one, though. You'll get a chance to relive the glory days of Justin and Chris as we bring back the old moms duo, Mornings on Main Street, which, by the way, you can see Mornings on Main Street each and every morning at 8 o'clock. Is that right, Justin? Yes, that is correct. It airs Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock with Stephanie Miller, and she's got fantastic stories from across Middle Tennessee. Uh, she's way better at hosting that show than I am, of course. <laughs> no, we we were just unique. Well, we also did an hour, Justin. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if we'd had a 30 minute show, it might have might have been a little bit better. But for like I mean, everybody involved, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm it's not funny complaining. I'm if, just saying. If Stephanie only needs 30 minutes, we probably only need, you know. Uh, we probably didn't need but 10. We could we could have gotten everything that we needed to get done in that hour in that hour in 10 minutes. There's no question. <laughs> Outside of the traffic report, that was about it. I, I had um, half a mind to to pull it up just now. Is <laughs> it's time for the traffic report? No, it's a man. Oh, you're talking about like pull up the downtown camera. That would have been funny. Yeah, uh, you are looking live downtown Nashville. <laughs> but yeah, we're 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 gonna get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, I need to get you yesterday's results and today's very short schedule on the rundown. This is the Rundown. Volleyball action yesterday, region play, region three, class A at Sale Creek. It was Sale Creek three, Forest nothing, Eagleville three, Bledsoe County one, Sale Creek blanks, Eagleville three, nothing. Both Sale Creek and Eagleville will advance to the uh, next round. Region 4A at Gordonsville. Gordonsville 3, Westmoreland 1, East Robertson 3, York Institute nothing, and East Robertson edges Gordonsville in five sets, 3 to 2. Region 5A at Harpeth. Harpeth downs Waverly 3 to nothing. It was Camden Central 3, Merrill Hyde 2, and Harpeth downs Camden Central 3 to nothing. Region 4 AA up at Upperman. It was the Lady Bees, 3 0 winners over Community. Murfreesboro Central down Stone Memorial 3 1, but fell to Upperman 3 1 in the championship. Region 5 AA at White House Heritage. White House Heritage downs Martin Luther King 3 0. Valor Collegiate blanks Liberty Creek 3 0, as do they against White House Heritage. Valor Collegiate wins it 3 0. At Creekwood is the Region 6 AA tournament. It was Creekwood 3, Jackson Southside nothing, Lexington a 3 nothing win over Sycamore, and Creekwood wins it with a 3 nothing win over Lexington. 4 AAA up at Cookville. It was Cookville 3, Seagull nothing, Oakland 3, Lebanon 1, and then Oakland blanks Cookville to win the championship. Down at Lawrence County in Region 5 AAA, it was a little Williamson County action as Brentwood blanked Lawrence County 3 nothing, Nolansville the same to Lincoln County, and then Nolansville with another sweep of the Lady Bruins, 3-0. Region 6 AAA action over at Lawson. It was Green Hill 3, Hillsborough nothing. Gallatin 3, Lawson nothing. And then Gallatin blanks Green Hill in the finals. Region 7 AAA at Clarksville. Dixon County falls to Clarksville 3-0. Rossview defeats Northwest 3-0. And Clarksville defeats Rossview 3-1. In Division 2 Class A first round action, Good Pasture edges Lakeway Christian 3-2. Middle Tennessee Christian makes quick work of Tipton Rosemark 3-0, as does DCA of Boyd Buchanan. Division II AA first-round action. St. Mary's ends Innsworth's season at, with a 3-0 win. And Knox Catholic uh, sends Harpeth Hall home 3-1. Girls soccer action. Most of these are district tournament play. I just don't know what districts they are. Brentwood doubles up Ravenwood 2-1. Two, uh, two Franklin, a 2-0 winner over Page. Gallatin edges Mount Juliet 1-0. Livingston Academy, a 4-1 winner over Watertown, while Nashville Christian downs Providence Christian 2-0. It was Oakland 3, Blackmon 1-0. Siegel 3, Rockville 0-0. Spring Hill scores four goals, including a hat trick from Addison Alexander. Full coverage on Main Street. Uh, Murray.com. 
a 4 nothing win over Columbia Central. Stewart's Creek was a 6 nothing win over Lebanon, and Wilson Central edged Cookville 4-3. Major League Baseball action yesterday. The Houston Astros defeat the Minnesota Twins in Game 3, 9-1. They lead that series 2-1. And the Rangers sweep the Orioles with a 7-1 victory. They advance to the American League Championship Series. College football action last night. Middle Tennessee State with a big win over La Tech, 31-23. And Jacksonville State falls at home to Liberty, 31-13 after trailing 17-13 at the end of the third quarter. Coastal Carolina goes on the road to Kid Brewer Stadium. He gets a big win over Appalachian State, 27-24, to snap that two-game skid. And in NHL action, the Predators open their season with a 5-3 loss down at Tampa Bay, but a good showing for the upcoming Predators. College football tonight on ESPN2 at 6.30. You can catch Texas El Paso at Florida International in hashtag weekday CUSA action. Also in hashtag weekday CUSA action is Sam Houston at New Mexico State. That one's on CBS Sports Network at 8 p.m. Major League Baseball, National League Division Series, Game 3, Braves at Phillies at 4.07 on TBS. American League Championship Series, Game 4 on Fox Sports 1, FS1. 6.07 tonight is the Astros at Twins and the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Dodgers trying to avoid the sweep at 8.07 tonight on TBS in Game 3. WNBA Finals, Game 2, Las Vegas leads the series 1-0, but... New York looks to even it up tonight in Las Vegas on ESPN at 8 o'clock. And, folks, that is your rundown. Two on the year for the Raiders as they get a – 31-23 win over Louisiana Tech. A lot of praise going to Holden Willis, who at the start of the fourth quarter on third and six matched up against Roderick Robinson and had already burned the nickel corner on a move at the line of scrimmage earlier in the game, but the ball didn't come to it. That time, he did it again, and it did. Willis pulled up, pulled the move out of his bag of tricks and took off. Nick Vadiato hit him, touchdown, 60 yards, and that was the dagger. Uh, LaTex scored late in that one in order to get, uh, get within eight, but failed to convert the onside kick opportunity and uh, Middle Tennessee State ran the clock out. So big win for Rick Stockstill and the Blue Raiders. Uh, congratulations to them. They needed it. And of course, our top story is brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly in Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. It was a big night down in Jacksonville as the Gamecocks welcomed uh, Conference USA leading Liberty on whiteout night on a Tuesday. And I, Justin, I don't know, did you happen to see any any video from last week's game at Middle with Jacksonville State? Just any crowd shots or anything? Did you see anything about that? Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, was there? Any Let's just say tough tough night last week um, in regards to butts in seats. 
really for for middle and and apparently it wasn't much better last night although it did get a little better at some point um 13,066 in attendance last week how big is, how how many does it seat a lot a lot more than that <laughs> uh did not get better last night 9,602 in attendance last night how different is that from past seasons you know i don't know what they typically average attendance wise but let's just say that jacksonville state showed up and showed out last night yeah and shout out to the jacksonville state's social media team i'm like all over twitter like you know how you swipe up for more videos oh yeah the next video was always at jackson state <laughs> Hey, you, you got to do what you know. You got to do it big when you're when you're doing it on a on a tight budget like we're doing. Twenty one thousand seven hundred and forty five last night at Jacksonville State. Wow, showed out. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the giveaways to students that the oh yeah the iPad or whatever. That, well, they were they gave away a faculty parking pass. I mean, that right there is worth gold. I mean, that is that is literal gold. Right. So. That's that's huge. That's, I wonder how, like, the meeting to to decide what they're going to give away, like, who suggested that? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, who was like, hey, you know what would be cool? Yeah. Nothing monetarily. If... <laughs> If we made really, if we made the faculty really mad by taking away one of their parking spots, that would be fun, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we'll pick them random. We'll really do it to Jim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like there's there's the one guy that nobody likes. Yeah. <laughs> they're picking the uh, they're they're picking the 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 winner based on what major they have and what building they spend the most time in. Hundred yeah. percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a in quotations raffle. Yeah, exactly. Is it <laughs> raffle? Wink, wink. <laughs> Weren't they giving away towards the end of the game too? So it made sure people stayed. That's yeah, so it was at the end hard. of the third quarter. Which obviously, I mean, they gave away a MacBook at the end of the third quarter. Here's the thing: at the end, and look, I I didn't see any pictures or video in the fourth quarter of the student section. But at the end of the third quarter, the score was seventeen thirteen Liberty. Ooh. They scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Now I don't know if the student section stayed, and that's right. and, or they or they left, and that's my Liberty scored. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like I got my MacBook. I'm out of here. <laughs> I didn't win the faculty parking pass. Deuces. <laughs> so I, no, no, Liberty just they had a really they had a really really good offensive line and uh, running one of their running backs ran for a career high hundred and. 50 plus yards on the ground and you know after last week which injuries hurt a little bit but you know Jacksonville held Middle Tennessee State to 33 rushing yards before a late 75 yard touchdown run you know made it look respectable in the rushing attack but right. you take away the garbage time 75 yarder and they had 33 rushing yards so JSU is really good at stopping the run so that just goes to show. Liberty is the class of this league, and, and, and next week Jacksonville hosts Western Kentucky, and we've seen what Western Kentucky did to Middle Tennessee State. So, you right. know, I'm not looking forward to, to next week. I think I think Western's going to be 
a really tough out for Jackson for Jacksonville again. So I don't know. It's uh this this is a tough stretch for the Gamecocks, but get through it and and just push through and and we'll continue. I, ha, have you seen you know last after last week particularly it, you know every week Pat McAfee is talking about Jacksonville State. I have noticed. I'm I swear the hashtag Jack State like J A X S T has been all over my feed. Like, <laughs> well, you know, Pat played for Rich Rod. Oh, cool. At West Virginia. Gotcha. So, you know, he's got that connection. And so he's watching Jacksonville State and he's talking about it on his show. You can't buy that, that type of advertisement. Right. I was going to say he, I mean, he's everywhere. So, <laughs> I mean, they're paying, they're paying Rich Rod a million dollars a year. And you're getting a million dollars in advertising just off Pat McAfee talking for free on his show. Right, like cracking a joke. No, well, I mean, I mean, like, like really talking about him, but you know. No, he's really ta he's talking about how you know it's must see TV. It's great, you know, they're a great program. Rich Rod's got a role in, and you know, and, and he does to to a degree. I mean, obviously. You know, struggled in the fourth quarter last night, but it wasn't like you know they weren't in the game for most of it. Right. And yeah, I like, like them. A couple of you know, a couple of second half comebacks last you know in the last two weeks. It's just, but but when Pat McAfee is talking about your program, you mm -hmm. that is that is advertising you can't buy. You just right. can't. I mean, so it's okay. huge for not just Jacksonville State, but for Conference USA. I mean. Right. What other reason does Pat McAfee have to be talking about Conference USA football? Right, and, and you know that gets people googling and yeah, yeah, that's 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 awesome, especially now, like in the pivotal time of all this movement in conference. Sure, I, I mean, it, you know, obviously, uh, we think FBS football realignment has slowed, perhaps stalled, hopefully, but we don't know that, and you know, at, at any mm -hmm. point. Somebody could buy out their, you know, their their TV contract, their grant of rights deal with the, with Conference USA and leave. Liberty's got the money to do it. Liberty's got more money than God because it's literally <laughs> God's money. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> so like, I mean, uh, they they can do it, but you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, and hopefully uh, this just helps elevate Conference USA because it it, it is it, it's it's big. You know, Conference USA. We, not just me, obviously Jack State and mm -hmm. Mo, of course, middle middle grad and all. It's important for for Conference USA to be to be good. So yeah, uh, and, and for people to, to care. Definitely. I mean, I think it's I, I love their identity just as of what I've seen from it. Uh, you know, they're fun games. You know, they are. It's not. It's not necessarily Maction. Because right. Maction can get weird because of weather, particularly because they're playing in the north in November. So you might get yeah. sleet, you might get snow, you might get who knows. I mean, at least Conference USA has de has had decent weather for these games. I mean, I, right. long sleeve and and shorts weather kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's been kind of nice, but right. But and I think yeah. at that level too, like you get players that kind of understand. Not not their uh, capacity, 
You know what I mean? Like, not that they can't be as athletic as like the top D1 guys, but uh, they're playing their heart out because they understand that that's their stage. Well, and Jacksonville has has a lot of transfers. I mean, a Washington State transfer wide receiver, a Tennessee transfer wide receiver, Nebraska will transfer quarterback. It's, you know, you're going to get those guys. And, and Jacksonville was lucky because they were still FCS, so those guys didn't have to sit out, uh, you know, because they were they transferred down in classification. So, you know, it, 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 was a, it was a big help there. But, but yeah, Conference USA, weeknight football. Tonight again, uh, UTEP and Florida International. Florida International is not good. They're terrible. But, you know, it's probably still worth watching. Sam Houston hasn't won a game. But they've been competitive with both Jacksonville and Liberty the last two weeks. So watch out. I think I, I think you could certainly see a very good football game between them and New Mexico State tonight. Uh, so And Jerry Kill, great coach over at New Mexico State. Before I get out of here, I want to do one thing. Um, yesterday, the Ohio Valley Conference announced the passing of their director of communications, Heather Brown. Uh, Heather spent 20 years with uh, the Ohio Valley Conference's and was a massive influence on sports information directors. She was always helpful to media, always a kind person, never, uh, you know, never big time to anybody. Uh, Heather was absolutely phenomenal and uh, lost her battle to cancer. And so just want to send our condolences to the Ohio Valley Conference family and to Heather's family as well. Um, we are certainly going to be missing Heather Brown at the OVC offices in Brentwood. Let's take a break. When we come back, Heather Williams joins us. We'll talk NASCAR. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll be right back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. 
Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. Glad to have you guys with us here on the show. It is Wednesday. It's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, and what's wild and wacky mostly right now is that I'm alone, but that's okay. I am excited to talk with Heather Williams of WCYB-TV, and Heather, how are things? They're good. You're not alone anymore. I'm with you now. That's right, and I appreciate that. <laughs> it's very important for me. I am making my way back from uh, Florence, South Carolina, uh, where I got to take in the last couple of days the uh, NASCAR Drive for Diversity Combine. Uh, young drivers um, of all different ethnicities, as well as uh, male and female drivers, uh, competing for a chance uh, to drive for Rev Racing, which is the diversity arm of NASCAR. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see all these young, inspiring, aspiring drivers uh, get their shot on the track. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really cool way of doing it. I wonder how how often does that kind of happen in NASCAR as a whole, right? I mean, it's... NASCAR doesn't exactly. Well, the driver diversity. Oh, go ahead. I just like uh, in other areas of the sport and in normal teams, you you don't really have like you know a a farm system necessarily. You just kind of got to go find them. These guys are coming to you, yeah, and girls. And, yeah, and well, I mean, the the organizations for Chevy. Toyota, they have development drivers, right? They have guys that have been in their pipeline that they uh, find and they help fund them in their cars in the lower series. Just for instance, I know um, Zane Smith, who's moving into the Cup Series next year. He is a she was a Chevy development driver, and they specifically Chevy came to the local um, super late model team that is in Abingdon, Virginia, which is my area, and asked if they would. Um, allow Zane to drive their car for, I think it was a half dozen races, maybe four or five years ago when he was coming up through the series. Uh, so it does exist. Uh, 
but this is just uh, it start. This program actually started uh, as two different programs. There was NASCAR's Drive for Diversity, and then also Joe Gibbs Racing had one uh, headed by Reggie White. Uh, that that program, Joe Gibbs program, found Eric Almarola and got him to the Cup Series. Uh, this Drive for Diversity program, which they're one and the same now, uh, found has found Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez. Uh, Nick Sanchez is in the truck series right now. So there have been people from both uh, diversity programs that have made it in racing. So it's been really successful. And this, this program started at Joe Gibbs and then expanding to all of NASCAR. It's been around for almost 20 years now. Was Kyle Larson a part of that? Yes, and Kyle Larson. I was trying to think. I'm leaving someone, leaving someone out. Kyle was the other. I, yes. I thought he was, but I wasn't entirely sure. Uh, I thought that was a storyline back yeah. a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's it's really cool though. I, I love this. I love that. That obviously NASCAR is trying to diversify the sport, but also you know just understand that you know there are people of different backgrounds who enjoy stock car racing. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, it's not just a Southern thing anymore. It's not just, you know, the way that we kind of, it kind of grew up, you know, in the, the early days of, of NASCAR. So it's, it's really cool to see what they're doing. I'm very, very glad because we have seen some, you know, some great drivers come through it, Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace particularly. Yeah, and what's been fun about this particular class for me is that a lot of times when I've talked to some of these development drivers, because I've never been to the Combine, but I've talked to a lot of them. i talked with, uh, for instance, Raja Karuth quite a bit. Uh, they're the first in their family that were into racing. It's like, we came to Drive for Diversity because my family was into racing. Well, I talked to two different people, two different young drivers, one whose dad was a, a cart, go-kart driver and ARCA driver in California, and then one whose uncle is a NASCAR crew chief currently, uh, and she's in the program. And so I just think it's interesting that now this has been happening so much that we're getting second-generation drivers in the program, which is fantastic. Yes, it is. Hey, real quick, before we get into last week and this upcoming week, what in the world is going on with Ty Dillon? And uh, you mean like, well, I just, I mean, I didn't expect him to lose a ride, especially at that level. Well, he's, his average finish has been, has been like 23rd. His highest finish this year, I think is 11th. Um, he's not running well. And I mean, I pretty sure he has something lined up next year because he has, uh, what a lot of small teams covet, which is sponsors in his pocket. So I think he's got something already lined up. But Spire particularly is trying to move away from that buy a ride uh, 
mentality. I mean, they they want you to have some sponsorship with you. Everybody wants you to have some sponsorship come with you. But I think they're really making a push to really be competitive. I mean, they just bought Kyle Busch Motorsports. are moving into that facility. They've signed this alliance with Trackhouse Racing. They're going to field a third car for a Trackhouse driver in Zane Smith, who I talked about earlier. So I think that, you know, Spire just aspires to have more than a guy that can finish, you know, between 17 and 24. Like, they just feel like they're beyond that. Now, look, I don't. I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs, but my, my understanding, I mean, and just this is just from reading fans' perspectives, but Spire hasn't exactly put the best car on the track <laughs> either. So, I, you know, sometimes you got to, I guess you have to go get talent to overcome some of that, perhaps. I don't know. Well, I think maybe not, but Corey... LaJoy's in the same car and consistently outperforming Ty by quite a bit. He's, I mean, he's competed for wins. He's finishing in the 15 to 25 range or the 10 to 20 range. Uh, far more consistently, he has top fives and top tens this season. And I just think that when they put Carson in the car for one week when Corey drove for, uh, for uh, Hendrick, automatically outperformed either Corey or what Ty had done. And so sure. I just feel like if they, they've put so much money in the next year that they feel like they have to find a driver that can help them take that next step. And I now. don't think, I love Ty. Ty is absolutely one of my favorite people in the garage area, but I'm just not sure he's that driver to take them to the next step. Okay. Um, let's see. Other News, uh, we talked a little bit about this a while back, actually. Uh, but Haley Deegan is going to be running Xfinity next year. I think when we talked about it, we were talking about how, you know, how running cars is a little bit easier when you're used to running cars than the trucks because the trucks are more difficult to drive. And so I guess, you know, her team is hoping that she can perform at the Xfinity level? Because she did pretty well at Vegas last year, right? She did. She's done well in in an Xfinity car. She did well when she ran SRX. So, you know, some people just aren't good at trucks. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was never that good at trucks or Xfinity cars. So um, I think it was a move that had to be made because she was just spinning her wheels, uh, no pun intended, in the truck series. And it was just time to find out if she can do this or not so mix it up put her in an Xfinity car see how she does and maybe she's just one of those people that that doesn't do well in trucks because she has done well in other other types of cars that's what I thought too so I'm looking forward to seeing what you know how that continues to uh, transpire over the next couple of years I assume um let's go to the Roval because there was one guy who, let's just say, needed a big weekend and talk about delivering. It was a perfect weekend for Tyler Reddick. It was, but he's the guy that can do that. He's he's an outstanding road racer. So... You kind of felt like that was coming. What I think is impressive, 
about Tyler and what he's been able to do for 2311 is look at how he has elevated uh, the whole organization's performances on the road courses. You know, the 45 car, but also the 23 car. I mean, Bubba had some bad luck with uh, pit mm-hmm. cycles and strategies and got bumped to the back, but he was one of the fastest cars all weekend as well. And Bubba is admittedly not a good road racer. Sure. So that just shows you what a, what a great addition that Tyler Reddick has been to 2311. Uh, I think he's the perfect driver to take that, you know, because he's still young too, to take them and to make them – uh, along with Bubba, you know, one of the top teams in the garage area. He, like I said, he's a really good road racer, but he could also win on the intermediates. I mean, he'll be one of the favorites this week at Las Vegas and next week at uh, Homestead because those are two really good tracks for him and two really good tracks for Toyota. So he's that he's that guy. He's he's a sneak he's a sneaky sleeper for the championship four. I think. I was going to say that, you know, it it seems like, and again, the Toyotas particularly have had a pretty good year, but it seems like Tyler Reddick is, is maybe the, the, the guy who you have to watch out for if, if you're those top two or three guys, because if he slips in to that final race, you're going to have your hands full. Yes, because he's also an underrated short track driver. I don't know that Phoenix is necessarily his best track, but he's good on the short track. So it's in the championship race, you know, all bets are off because it's just one race to get there. And he's certainly the type of driver that's not going to pull over or uh, make any uh, provisions for anyone else. He's going to go straight for that trophy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're headed to Vegas for the round of eight how you feeling i feel like 2311 is going to be super strong i think that this is a really good racetrack for them i also think denny hamlin will be really good i think he will be incredibly motivated because and this has been my favorite line all week you know which drivers denny got beat denny this week all of them because he finished last at the roval so he's going to be super motivated. He's third in the points. You know, he's, he's, time is running out for him to win a championship. And this Vegas is a, is a really good track for him and the Toyotas. You know, he wants to be in that Joey Logano position from last year. Joey Logano won Vegas and then they spent three weeks working on Phoenix. They didn't even, I mean, they showed up and raced the other two races, but they, all of their emphasis was on that championship race. And it showed when they showed up in Phoenix. So you want to be the dude, you want to be the dude, you want to be that guy, that playoff driver that wins at Vegas so that you can put all your attention on Phoenix. And, um, you know, I think Danny feels that. So I think they will be super motivated and super fast. I think the other Toyotas, you know, will be good, but I haven't really seen much out of particularly Martin Truex Jr. in the playoffs. It shows me he's a contender at all. Um, I think his best finish is maybe in the 17th or something. It just shows the importance of winning that regular season championship for him specifically, specifically because all those bonus points that he got during the regular season is why he's still alive because he hasn't had the performance in the playoffs. Um, and then I think there's some non-playoff drivers that could absolutely spoil the party. Alex Bowman has been sneaky good the last few weeks. Chase Elliott has been sneaky good the past few weeks. And we already saw a non-playoff driver in A.J. Allmendinger win just this past week at the Roval. So I expect <laughs> it to be the mile and a half, 
have been so good. I expect this to be a great race. And watch out for Daniel Suarez if you're Christopher Bell, I guess. So. Yeah. Oh. Uh, he, he said today. He said today in that interview that he he did not mean to wreck him. That's what he said. He sure. said, but he absolutely expect. But he said he absolutely expects payback from Suarez. So I think even Bell knows. He better win. He better win one of these first races because if he goes into he goes into that last race needing to finish well or win, that may be when ninety nine gets to him. Well, it would certainly be easier to do it at Martinsville than it will be at Vegas and get away with it. <laughs> and it get away with Vegas it, yeah. Or, uh, or than it will be at Vegas or uh, my homestead Miami because yeah. you know those are mile and a half, and they don't really take kindly to punting people on a mile and a half. But at no. Martinsville, you could just be like, oh, it's Martinsville. It it happens at Martinsville. Things things right. just you know we're all bunched up here together. What what was I going to do? Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, he's got to he's got to get it done these two weeks. Yeah, he he better figure it out because Martinsville looms, and you don't want to have to you don't want to be anywhere near the bubble uh, going into that one. So, Heather, appreciate it as always. Look forward to talking to you again next week. It's it's always a good time talking a little NASCAR as the season is winding down. Yeah, we just have uh, four races left till we crown the champion. It's crazy. It is crazy indeed as high school football is ramping up, and I know you've got a lot going on up there. So enjoy. Yeah, enjoy good college football too because we don't have a lot of that down here. Oh, yeah, ETSU struggling right now, but it's okay. It's gonna Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better up there. Okay. I, I like telling, your optimism. I, I really – I've seen I've seen some recruiting things that have been going on, and I feel like ETSU has got things moving in the right direction as far as as far as that's concerned. And so let's here's the biggest problem, and I don't want to turn this into ETSU talk, but they don't have a quarterback. They're literally on their fifth string scout team quarterback, who's listed as a wide receiver on the depth chart. <laughs> he, he played quarterback his sophomore year at Greenback, and here we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I understand. Well, hopefully, here's the thing. Jacksonville State's got three. Maybe maybe one of them will transfer down. Zion Webb needs to well, play Well, the ETSU years. started with five. ETSU started with five. Well, so, now, now they've got one. <laughs> I think I think maybe, maybe the recruiting news needs to be about an offensive line. I, you know what? One of the guys that I talked that I was looking at was, in fact, an offensive lineman. So, well, that's good news. We need those. There you go. Got to keep them upright. Uh, Heather, as always, we appreciate it. Looking forward to next week. All right. We'll talk to you later. Yes, ma'am. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, Braves chatter right here on Main Street Sports Today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. David Wilson joins us. So stick around. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. 
Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. October 11th, 2021, break out the pearls. Jock Peterson's fifth inning pinch hit home run provided all the scoring the Braves needed in a 3-0 win over the visiting Brewers in game three of the NLDS. Atlanta went up 2-1 to one in the series with the victory. Ian Anderson, Jesse Chavez, Tyler Matzik, Luke Jackson, and Will Smith limited Milwaukee to just five hits. So that was this day in Braves history, and hopefully history repeats itself. Talk a little bit about the Braves. We've got Robertson County Connections' David Wilson joining us. David, what's going on, man? I'm good to see you, man. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you feeling? Uh, optimistic, actually, just the way that the series kind of turned on a dime in that bottom of the sixth, seventh inning. You know, Travi hits the two-run home run in the bottom of the seventh, and just – the relief that you could see on the players' faces, the fans' faces as they pan the camera around the ballpark. So we know it's going to be a tough series going up there in Philly, tied 1-1, kind of the same position we were in last year. But just feeling confident with the group, and uh, hopefully Bryce Elder um, does his job today. Yeah, I, th I think there's a different feeling going to Philadelphia. You know, last year it was really, even though we won game two, it just, you know, it, the Braves never felt like they were in control. It just they just happened to win. In this one, it feels like this team took a a step after that home run and got a little swag back. 
And the swagger, I think, is is what's going to be the difference. Because look, you got to have someone you go up there. You you gotta you gotta embrace the hate of Philly fans. I mean, yeah, we know that Philadelphia, just in general, is one of the best sports town in this country. They got a great fan base, whether it's you know hockey, um, football, basketball, baseball, just all the way around. Philly's a great sports town, and we know that they love hating on the Braves. We remember all the chants that they chanted last year and so that's fuel for the fire and I was just kind of listening through some of the comments of the guys press conferences and Ronald Acuna mentioned that he loves playing up there you know he knows that the fans are going to bring it night in and night out and that kind of motivates them moving forward so we know it's going to be a challenge as I mentioned I'm excited about it though you know this is an opportunity um, for them to kind of get back in this series you know if you can win game three man and have Strider on the mound tomorrow you got a really good feeling that you could lock it up. So we know the Braves have had some success against Nola, uh, particularly Austin Riley. I feel like he hits him really well. And maybe that uh, two-run home run kind of got him going. You know, he's kind of struggled throughout his career in the playoffs. I think I was looking at the bottom ticker the other night. He's hit like 218 in the playoffs for his career. So uh, maybe Nola can get him going and, you know, the Braves offense can score some runs. And that's going to be crucial for them, in my opinion. If they can somehow find a way in that first inning to scratch a run, and try to, you know, put some pressure on Philadelphia, that'll go a long way into maybe winning game three. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I think you're right. You know, obviously with Bryce Elder, there's some concern with the way that he's pitched over the last probably 15 starts, but he's still Bryce Elder. He's still an all-star. And to me, it feels like if you can – and, and I guess this is this is what I this is what I tweeted earlier. The difference in Bryce Elder versus AJ Smith Shaver or a, an opener of some sort, you know, Bryce knows how to prepare as a starter. And yeah, he was one of the best pitchers in the National League in the first half. Yeah, and you've got here's here's the big thing. If he doesn't give you three innings, if you have to pull him early, what's the difference between that and an opener, right? Right. Two, the other side of that is he could give you six or seven. And then you've got, you know, you've got a full bullpen for the next two days. Yeah, I have two thoughts on Bryce Elder. And one of them, just think about it. I know you're avid Braves fan as Mo is, go back to 2020, game four in LCS versus the Dodgers. They're pitching Bryce Wilson versus Clayton Kershaw, and Bryce Wilson absolutely spins a gym out of nowhere. Well, his best best start of his Braves career leads them to a win. Now, we all know how that series ended. We don't want to talk about that. But just if he can, if Bryce can do that for us, just keep us in the game. We're not asking him to go out there and throw a shutout by any means. Limit them to one, two runs, maybe three runs even. Um, if we can somehow get the offense going, just do that. Get us a quality start. Maybe get us through four or five, maybe even six, and just play that role of just keeping us in the ball game, and that'll do a lot of good for them. I saw a, I saw a tweet earlier, and I, I don't know how how accurate this is, man, because I, I wish that I don't have it, you know, directly in front of me. But I saw a tweet that only three starters for Philadelphia even have hits off of Bryce Elder this year. Castellanos is two for five with two homers. He's a free swinger, too. If you somehow, like, I, I, I watch him hit, and it's like you could almost not throw him a strike the first pitch and he'll swing at it. 
So my, my like mindset with him is don't throw him a first pitch pass ball because you know he's swinging. You can somehow get like a get me over slider or, you know, just a bad pitch at the bottom of the zone. He'll swing at it. But I think Bryce Harper was asked this the other day, um, just about potentially facing Elder. And Elder threw at Citizens Bank earlier this year, and I think he threw seven scoreless seven innings. Seven innings. Yeah. Now we won five to four in ten innings. But <laughs> he went seven but, scoreless. Yeah. He was great, and I think that he was asked post-game, Bryce Harper was, about Elder's performance, and he said that's a guy that we don't want to see in October because he has such a slow heartbeat. You know, his demeanor never changes. He just throws strikes. Now, that was at that point of the season, so it's been a little different in the second half, but if he can just somehow get back to that. Um, he, he has all the stuff that plays. I mean, it's 92 miles per hour, and he's going to pitch to contact, but like I said, if the Braves can somehow get him an early run, He's going to feel that weight lifted off his shoulders and not feel like, oh, I have to go out here and shut these guys out for seven innings. Philly's career numbers versus Elder from Sports Radio 94 Whip in Philadelphia. Nick Castellanos, two for five with two homers. Alec Bohm, two for five. Brandon Marsh, two for three. Everyone else, hitless. Yeah, I mean, Everyone. obviously for me, the key, yeah. <laughs> The keys for me in this series are, obviously, we know Bryce Harper. He's amazing. I mean, he is a clutch, big-time player. Trey Turner scares me, but it's the role, guys, for the Phillies that truly, like, Bryson Stott, for some reason, puts a churn in my stomach because it seems like every time he comes up in a big situation, he finds a way to get hits. And then last year, we all remember Brandon Marsh. He was just a pest in that um, division series. And so it's those roles, role guys that truly scare me for the Phillies. If we can somehow keep Turner off base in that two-hole, and just keep the bags clean when Harper comes up. That does a lot of um, good for us. You know, the guys at their bottom of the lineup, like Rojas, Pache, I know Pache's not going to hit today because of the right. You know, those guys don't really scare me at the bottom half. It's the marshes, it's but the stops that really scare me. It's funny. It, it reminds me so much of Garrett Cooper. That guy, every time, I don't think the Braves ever got him out of the Marlins uniform. Like, I'm not Daniel sure. Daniel Murphy ever back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it just there are just some guys that the Braves just cannot get out, and that's if, that's the way Stott kind of feels. Corey right Seager is one of those guys. Hopefully, we if we got by God, we make it to the World Series and face the Rangers. They can't get Corey Seager out. Uh, and 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 we've got to go back to Globe Life after. You got bad memories there. Jeez, please no, just please no. Um, have you uh, have you seen this l little drama going on Twitter today about Arcia and him chuckling in the? Yeah, let let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, apparently, Orlando Arcia was overheard by a Washington Post reporter yeah. saying, "Ha ha, attaboy, Harper!" Like over and over in the locker room following Game Two. I, I'm struggling well, with that. Did you see what the Phillies uh, wore in their social media touted about 30 minutes ago? No. Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos walked in the stadium wearing um, Deion Sanders' Coach Prime gear. And uh, I, I guess it's personal for them now. But I guess they forget that uh, Deion played for the Braves back in the day. Yeah, Atlanta Braves legend Deion Sanders. They, they may have forgotten that. But I, I just – I don't buy into that, you know. God bless Orlando R.C. I love him to death, but he's always used a translator when he's done interviews. I don't know. I don't know if that's been mustered up or not. I don't see him being the type of guy to do that. And that's something that you still leave in the locker room as well. 
one, yeah, as a, as you know, in our job, we, uh, let's just say this, I would not report something that I did not get directly from someone like that. I, I'm, I'm not trying to stir stuff up. That being said, I also don't necessarily, I, I don't think that reporting something you overhear where you have credentialed access is off limits, Lincoln Riley. Just going completely off the rails there. I mean, but, but same situation at USC overheard two kids having a conversation at a press conference and, and wrote about what they said. I, I don't, I'm not mad at the reporter for doing that. That's, that's doing your job. So, I, I mean, there's, but I, I also think that you have to understand that like Orlando Arcia is in a cluster of Albies, Acuna, you know, all of the, the Spanish speaking players, they, they rarely ever speak English in the locker room ever. And I, I saw it this way. If Philly needs that motivation to put them over the top in this series, then good they're luck scared. because they have all the things to play for. I mean, they're trying to get back to world series win a championship, if that statement is really going to fire them up to the point of winning, then I'll just question things going on there. They have no motivation. I mean, they should have all the motivation outside of that comment if it was made. I'm not saying it was or wasn't, but um, it's, I was just, I just I was interested to see their get up and their approach on social media today trying to say it's personal. It's been personal. I mean, we don't like each other. The Braves don't like the Phillies. The Phillies don't like us. So, I mean, we're two division rivals, so we're going to go at it. have never beaten the Phillies in a playoff series. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this with Mo. I firmly believe that this is the best possible matchup throughout the entire playoffs. This series deserves to be a seven-game series. It's a World Series type of feel. I've been telling friends of mine that I think the winner of this series is going to win the World Series. I just think that these are two of the best teams by far in the National League, in my opinion. Um, so well, that's just we, how I feel about that. We kind of talked about that. We we talked about how this and and how the playoff – the playoff setup in this particular year and last year really is set up poorly for both Philadelphia and Atlanta because they have to play high leverage, high stress games in the NLDS. And ironically, I said, you know, obviously the Dodgers don't have to do that. Well, the Dodgers are they out there struggling right now. They're, they're playing high stress, but the Diamondbacks aren't. The Diamondbacks are playing loose because they have nothing to lose. And so, you know, you get to the NLCS and you're mentally exhausted as well as physically exhausted from playing a, a, a series like this. And, you know, I think, I think it would be less exciting for fans if the Dodgers had had to have played the Phillies and the Braves had played the Diamondbacks. I think it would have been... I think the Phillies Dodgers series would have been good, but I don't think it would have been this good. But yeah, you're right. I feel like you're, you know, you're right. This is a this is a World Series type feel, and that's a problem this early in the in, in the playoffs because you've now got to go win an NLCS, and it doesn't matter who you're playing in the National League Championship Series. The World Series is on the line, so it's high stress. Yeah, I think that the playoff system is just a little flaw, flawed the way it is. Just the days off and the rest in between. I think between now and the end of the regular season, the Braves have only played like two games in 10 days. That's just way too much layoff time, and the rest in between is um, something to be monitored. If the Dodgers go out and if the Braves go out, obviously the Orioles got swept. 
So I think MLB is definitely going to reconsider the playoff format. Are you truly rewarding these teams by giving them um, that much time off? But I will say this. I do think that of the top seeds this year, all of them had their flaws. We knew Baltimore was a very young team that had never been in that moment before. Um, their pitching was questionable. They're pitching yeah, some young guys. And they're facing the Texas team who has a juggernaut of an offense. But I think Bruce Bochy being their manager, he's been there and done that in the playoffs. I think he gave them a huge edge because he's been in that moment before. And then obviously with the Braves and Dodgers, there's pitching concerns of if you can get past the Braves in game one with Strider, who in the heck are they going to pitch in game two and game three? You know, Freed's going to go, but, you know, he's not going to be at his full strength. And then the Dodgers, you get past Clayton Kershaw in game one, who's had a spotty um, playoff history throughout his career. They're pitching Bobby Miller, a rookie, in game two. And then they're going to Lance Lynn, who leads the MLB in home runs in game three. So um, the top seeds, even though they're really good and won over 100 games, they were very flawed this year. And all of it with pitching. And as you know, quality pitching in playoffs always beats good hitting. The Braves are going to have to hit. We've been saying that um, all year long. They're an offense-driven team. They're going to have to score runs. Acuna so. can't go over again. Well, just it's just the pressure he gets. Like when he gets on base, he puts pressure on the defense. Exactly. Kind of like when Trey Turner gets on first base, I know in three pitches he's going to end up in second base. And the threat of him maybe still in third as well. Um, last thing, what's your thoughts on Darno being the catcher today? You know, he doesn't have the best throwing arm. And so with Elder, how do you feel let, about that? Let me ask you a question. How, how many stolen bases did the Phillies have in game one? That's fair, but how many of them were actually Sean Murphy's fault, though? I mean, their pitchers were really slow to the plate. You can admit that. Okay, so why does it matter then? Why, why are we trading Darno's bat for Sean Murphy's arm if his arm isn't going to help us? That's fair. I just I, I want to know what happened to Murph. Murph, through the first half of the year, was That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, I almost wish he would be Elder's battery mate tonight just so that both of them could get back to all-star, pre-all-star game yeah. <laughs> uh, performances because that would be fantastic. <laughs> That's all we well, need tonight. Yeah. You mentioned, yeah, they got to get something from the bottom half of the lineup. Michael Harris, you know, he's been struggling a little the first two games. Just got to get him going. You know, he's that spark well, plug at the bottom as well. If I'm the Braves – I'm not even I'm not even sitting fastball. I'm hitting every breaking ball that I can find because we've not been able to catch up to the fastball yet. So if they throw a fastball and they can locate it, then more power to them. But first breaking ball I see, I'm going with it. And that's yeah. how that's how the Braves need to really that's how they're going to win is, you know, probably hitting opposite field home runs because, look, Citizens Bank Park is certainly going to give up a few. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a launching pad for hitters. So, yeah. uh, obviously, Bryce Elder is going to have to keep the ball down. And then, like I said, the Braves have faced Aaron Nola so many times. Um, like I said, I think Austin no, Riley has had great – Yeah, Austin Riley has had great success with them. Knock on wood, that continues today. And then Acuna has hit him well at times as well. So, um, just – be aggressive, you know. I felt like they kind of were back on their heels the first couple games. Um, they let Wheeler and Suarez dictate the pace of the game. Mm -hmm. I think the Braves need to come out and set the tempo and just put some pressure on them. You know, I know JT Real Muto, he's a fantastic catcher, um, framing and with his arm. But put some pressure on their defense to make plays. You know, their defense, 
the media has portrayed that their defense has gotten better this year. Well, Trey Turner showed you he can make a great play, but he also can miss the routine play. So, mm-hmm. um, and then we all know Alec Bohm in the past has had his struggles at third base defensively as well. So just put some pressure on their defense and put the ball in play. That's right. Make them make a play. David, thanks for hanging out with me here on Braves Chatter. Always a good time. And uh, we look forward to getting a win tonight and for the Braves to get out of this series with a dub. And when they do, we'll talk to you again. I got you. You're going to have to watch it for me. I'm out on the soccer pitch tonight at White House Heritage. And then tomorrow, I got substate with East Robertson for volleyball. So I guess you and Mo will do all the watching for me. So y'all will text me with all the updates. We will pull them through just for you. I promise. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You too, man. We're going to take a quick break. Terry McCormick on the other side. Stick around. Main Street Sports today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It's back after this. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. It is time for your Daily Titans update with Terry McCormick from Titan Insider, powered by Zen Sports. Terry, how are things today? Well, it's a busy day for the Titans as they uh, have their first, well, they practiced yesterday. So this today is actually a Thursday practice, even though it's Wednesday for the Titans. And there were a number of guys on the injury report. Uh, by the way, Chris, this is your Titan Insider Daily Report, and it's powered by Zen Sports. Go through the guys who didn't practice today. That includes Traylon Burks with a knee, Luke Gifford and Elijah Molden, both with hamstring, Jeffrey Simmons getting a day off with a shoulder, and, uh, and Tierre Tart with a toe. Limited today were Aziz Alshair and Aaron Brewer, both with neck issues. They were limited, as were Derek Henry and DeAndre Hopkins, and theirs was listed as not injury-related, just kind of a veteran's rest day or semi-rest day since they got in some practice. So interesting for the Titans because uh, no Simmons and no Tart uh, today at practice. That's certainly something to monitor. I think Simmons probably would be the one more likely to give it a go. It's going to be interesting to see if Tier Tart can play or can practice tomorrow, make the trip, and play on Sunday in London because uh, you saw what it looked like without him in the middle of that defense uh, last Sunday against the Colts in Indianapolis. It was not pretty as Zach Moss 
went for 160 plus yards. Uh, and I think Tart being absent was a big part of that. The other thing to watch, of course, Traylon Burks. I don't think he's trending toward playing. I, I would guess that he's going to be held out another week, then have the bye week and be ready to return against the Atlanta Falcons when the team plays again on the 29th of October. Yeah, it's not yeah. what you it's not what you love to hear with Jeffrey Simmons potentially being out as well as territory. If both of those guys are out and the, with the production that you've gotten from Harold Landry, which is basically nothing, um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson could have a career day. If his receivers can hang on to the ball, they had yeah, problems well, with yeah. that uh, Sunday against the Steelers. But, uh, but yes, I mean, it certainly is a, a concern anytime that you have guys who are banged up on that defensive line or guys that may or may not be able to give you what they can. Uh, but when you're facing a guy like Lamar Jackson, who is such a dynamic dual threat quarterback, it certainly taxes your defense even more uh, because of that threat. Not only, You can do everything right and then lose contain and a broken play where you had a solid pass rush could turn into a 30 or 40 yard run or a 30 or 40 yard pass as well. So it's certainly, you need all hands on deck if you're the Titans. And this is uh, something very well worth monitoring in terms of Simmons and Tart as we go through the week. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Just this is sort of journalist to journalist, but I feel like a lot of fans want to know this question. What what's the problem? Why why, why can't Mike Vrabel just answer a question directly? He's a football coach. <laughs> They're all pretty much like that. They're going to well, dodge and and you know dart away from giving you a direct answer. Now Vrabel, to his credit. If you ask it the right way, Vrabel will give you a straight answer. We asked him today, the guys who weren't going to practice, and he rattled them right off uh, even before practice began. So, you know, and sometimes, you know, when you when you throw something out there, like I asked him about Christian Fulton Day, if he had a talk with him, he said, no, he just needs to do his job and be better at what he does. So if he I don't have to tell him that. Make, he knows that already. <laughs> yeah. If, if, he, if Vrabel has a point to make, He'll usually blurt it out there. He's not one to uh, sugarcoat a lot of things, but he's also, like most coaches, he doesn't want to offer up anything that's, uh, you know, going to be a competitive disadvantage as far as anything in terms of strategy or anything in terms of game plan. And he's certainly not going to offer up any bulletin board material to another team by being glib and colorful. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that, and 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 I expect that from most coaches as well. It did, it's just it's frustrating, as you know, and and for for not just us as you know journalists, but also fans. I mean, it's it's frustrating because, especially right now, when it feels like this team really needs to be sternly spoken with and about. Seems like now would be as good of a time as any to, you know, kind of lay down the law, draw that line in the sand if you're if you're very brave. And perhaps he's done that, you know, privately. I don't know. Uh, I, I love a guy, you know, obviously who has been a coach who doesn't want to alienate 
players individually, particularly. So I think that's, that's a positive, but you know, as a player and whatnot, but certainly not as a fan, because you want to, you want to know that, that Christian Fulton's getting talked to, you know, that sort of thing. So it's interesting. Uh, today at practice, some little teaser action at practice today with the Euler helmets. Absolutely. Beautiful. Those things look great. You know, uh, they had on their regular practice jerseys, which are uh, normally they reverse that. Normally the defense wears the light blue and the offense wears the white. But today they had the offense in the blue and the defense in the white. Maybe they're trying to change things up a little bit, but they had to get the Oilers helmets broken in uh, to be able to use them against the Falcons on October 29th. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those uniforms out there again because, uh, you know, in 2009 when they had the uh, anniversary of the AFL, I guess the 50th anniversary of the AFL, they wore a version of the Houston Oilers uniforms in a couple of games, but they were more from the 1960s, not the uh, the ones that you and I grew up with watching Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini and Robert Brazil and people like that. Uh, that's what they'll be wearing against the Falcons, those Oiler uniforms that they really still had when they first uh, got here and played in Memphis and at Vanderbilt. And I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, the Titans uniforms don't do a lot for me. They're kind of bland, kind of blocky. Uh, I would love to see them adopt the Oilers uniform with a Titans logo of some sort on the helmet, as opposed to the oil, Derek, because it obviously wouldn't work if you're the Titans. But I would love to see them incorporate those Houston Oilers jerseys and pants back into their scheme, because as I said before, to me, you know, you look at the orange crush Denver Broncos, you look at the New England Patriots with Pat the Patriot on the helmet, the red, red uniforms of the Steve Grogan days, you look at the Chargers uniforms that they've gone back to now, and then I will throw in maybe the Jets from the Joe Namath there. The Oilers uniforms to me rank right up there with those in terms of some of the best that we've ever seen in NFL teams where I think it's time to bring them out of the mothballs and go back to them. Hey, go for it. I, look, I, I, I have no allegiance to any of the uniforms. I like the current Titans uniforms, but again, I don't really have a, I don't have a preference either way. I think I, I like all of the, the sword things that are incorporated, the sharp numbers, the, the sword at the, on the shoulders. I, I think that's, it's a cool way of doing it, but I mean, I've always been a very less is more in the uniform department. So I'll agree with you. You know, less is more. Give me some stripes on the shoulders maybe and, you know, maybe maybe a triple stripe down the side or, or something like that. I'm, I'm with you there. I feel you. So before we get you out of here, um, any additional news on, on travel and how that's going to work out when they get there? Do you know anything about you know, are they, they're going to walk through obviously on Saturday, but is that the only thing that they will do in London? Well, they're going to have a practice on Friday. Once they get there, they're going to okay, leave. So they should get there Friday tomorrow's morning. practice. Okay. They have moved up. Uh, tomorrow's practice starts at 10 50. And so they are, are the, the 
availability time starts at 10.50, I should say. Practice will start probably about 30 to 45 minutes after that. Then after practice on Thursday, they're going to board the flight, travel through the night, arrive in London, and then they will go through and have a Friday practice and a Saturday walkthrough. So interesting, you know, concept, sort of similar to what they did back in 2018 when uh, the last time they were over there played the Chargers in Brable's first season as head coach. So similar to that, and certainly a different tack than the Baltimore Ravens are trying as they arrived over there yesterday and they're going to spend the full week, or actually arrive there Monday, and they're going to spend the full week in London. All right. Well, there you have it. Tell us about Zen Sports, Terry. All right. Be glad to, Chris. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee that's revolutionizing you earn sports betting rewards with Zen Sports your rewards are cash rewards you bet with real money and now you're rewarded with it too earn a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with code MAINSTREET M-A-I-N-S-T keep betting and keep earning every month after that with up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, earn cash commission on your referral bets with the Zen Sports Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. have a dragon here. I saw it. What? But no, know. they don't. There's no such thing as dragons. I swear, I saw it. It had huge claws. Get out of here. It had eyes as big as the moon. Come on, I'll show you. Wait up. up. <gasps> Do you hear that? We're almost there. Whoa! Whoa! I told you so. That is a dragon. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. 
and it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yao. Mo Patton will be back tomorrow, so no worries. <laughs> Trust me, I will be as excited as you are to have him back in studio here in Columbia. But for now, we push on. We talk a little bit about the National Basketball Association now as we get with Wilson Post's. Xavier Smith, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, Chris. Just getting through another day. How you doing? I do, man. Getting through this day. This, this, <laughs> it's, it's not easy doing this thing. People who who do sports talk by themselves uh -huh. are different animals. I'm not among them. <laughs> yeah, I could, I couldn't do it either. So, but you've been doing a fabulous job today. I, well, I, I greatly appreciate it, and we're. Hoping that you can add to the excitement because the National Basketball Association is just around the corner and there are some massive storylines in this season, man. It is, it feels like a one of those one of those years where you think you know, but do you really? That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, obviously with the with Milwaukee's trade for Dame. Uh, it, it feels like the Bucks are the odds-on clear favorite in the East. That being said, who knows? And out West, it's a crapshoot because everybody's pretty good. What are your thoughts overall this year on what we expect to see in the in the NBA? Well, much like you said, I think there'll be a lot of craziness. Uh, some some magic here and there, some crazy things happening. I, I think it's wide open. You know, like you said, Milwaukee's a favorite. Uh, of course, Boston will still be in the mix again. Out West, you have, you know, a handful of teams that, that can come out of conference and represent, you know, the West. So I, I think it would be a lot of a lot of unpredictability and, and things that people may not expect. I don't necessarily think the, the top guns will, will, you know, be automatic to, to, to be there at the end, but I, I think there's a more so in recent years, a, a lot of teams that could, that could be there once the season's over. Yeah, I mean, do you expect in the East, I mean, you have to expect Boston and Miami are still going to compete, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, especially especially Boston. I like some of the moves they made uh, uh, post uh, Damien being traded. Uh, I, re I really like the to pick up a point guard with Drew Holiday. I think that'll help them out both sides of the ball. I think it's something that they need when they had Marcus Smart. Of course, Lee from Memphis, lost Grant Williams, a lot of different pieces that, that they relied on in the past, not necessarily coming back. I, I think that'll be be great for them to have have a guy like Drew paired with the, the pair that they have. I think they'll definitely be there. In Miami, you know, last year, nobody expected them to be where they ended up. So who says they can't do it again this year? 
Number one overall pick, Victor Wimbanyama, obviously has high expectations and has certainly met them to this point. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are there there are a few people who who might contend with him for you know for rookie of the year, particularly because the number one pick last year didn't play. That's true. So, who has a better season, Wimby or Chet Holmgren? That's tough. That's tough. I, I think, I think Chet, Chet's in a little better situation out there in OKC. They have a great team. Uh, he's not necessarily expected to be be the guy out there. You know, with Wimby, a lot of that pressure. Obviously, he, he probably won't be the main option in San Antonio this year, but he'll definitely be the main attraction and get the most eyes. So. We have a lot of guys, you know, ready to throw him around and, and welcome him to the NBA, whereas Chet, I don't think he'll get put in a lot of those situations because simply he sat out last year. So he's been around. He's seen the guys. He's kind of figured out a little bit about the NBA game. So I, I think Chet will be a little bit a little bit better than Wimby this year. Uh, and there's a, a lot of other w- rookies that are, that are great as well. Of course, uh, Andy Oxone, Brandon Miller out in Charlotte. Expect him to be uh, pretty good this year. He has a lot of a lot of uh, – uh, teammates in the same position. I think some of them may leave before the season's over, so I think he'll get a chance to shine uh, before it's all said and done. And of course, uh, the, the Twins that got drafted to Houston and, and other places, I, I think there's a lot of rookies out there that could chance that rookie of the year spot besides uh, Chet and Wimber. I think it's going to be a, this is going to be a, a really good year for young players in, in, in the league. It, it feels like that, again, especially the Western Conference, feels kind of wide open. And yeah. so, you know, young guys are going to be asked and leaned upon, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of carry their teams and, and will have an opportunity to make the playoffs because, you know, Chris Paul, even, you know, with his, you know, his move to Golden State, uh, you know, do you feel like they're the favorite? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Phoenix is, is right there. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like the West could be anybody's game. And here's the thing, you know, Luca and Kyrie aren't nothing to, aren't anything to slouch at. Not at all. I, that's funny you bring them up. I, I was thinking earlier, I, I'm actually glad you brought me on today. I'm getting prepared for my NBA fantasy draft this weekend. So it's got okay. me to, to tune up a little bit. And I was going through, you know, different analysts and what they were saying and different predictions. I'm thinking nobody's talking about Dallas at all. You know, it's, it's all about the moves. It's all about the Lakers and, and uh, Celtics and Milwaukee. And, and nobody's mentioning Luka Doncic. And I think he he may make some noise this year. It's one of the few times he's been in a position where nobody's talking about him. I think he can either look at it as, you know, a sigh of relief that he can just go out and play freely and not deal with pressure and expectations, or he can take it as, well, nobody's talking about me? Okay. You forgot about me? Okay. Let me show you. So I think I think Dallas would definitely be better than last. And of course, Kyrie's back. He has another another year in his belt with them playing together. So I think they'll be able to make some noise as well. And like you said, uh, Phoenix Suns are going to give everybody a hard time this year. They're not as 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 deep on the bench as I think they would like. And I think that you need to be the to get over the hump. But I think they'll definitely be there competing at the end. Yeah, I, look, <laughs> if Dallas is. It, is flying under the radar, watch out. Yeah. Because yeah. they can certainly, and of course, I mean, Luca is one of the best three players in the league, in my opinion. I think that right now he's one of the top three players in, in basketball. 
uh, he and Joker are kind of – they're very similar players, and obviously Joker just led his team to a championship. So, I mean, it just – it feels like, hey, don't don't sleep on the Mavs because Kyrie has the ability to make things happen, and yeah. with a full season uh, with, the, with those guys, you know, once the playoffs come around, his experience, Luca's experience, it's going to be a tough team to beat. Yep. Uh, in, a, in a big series so the west is a lot of fun man and unfortunately the grizzlies have to deal with it <laughs> oh the grizzlies yeah I, I think i think they'll be okay without Jal the first 25 games i think they of course added Marcus smart uh i think that was that was huge for them of course added memphis tigers legend Derek rose i think that that's a big key for them as well to kind of kind of keep it afloat while uh, while Jaws Alvin is uh, suspension, I, I'm really excited for Devin Bain. I've been a Devin Bain fan the last few years. I think he's he's able to take that next step, and I think he'll do it, what needs to be done in order for them to kind of stay afloat out there until Jaws gets back. And I mean, history has shown they they fared pretty well without without Jaws. Anytime he's been injured or his previous suspension, they they've actually performed maybe a little bit better without him than they have with him. So I think they'll be okay these first 25 games. I think it'll be just enough time for some of those other teams start wearing down and kind of get into a mid-season slump and slow down before before the big playoffs. And I, I think that'll jog coming back and get them a bolt of electricity kind of towards the end there. Is losing Dylan Brooks addition by subtraction? I've always I've, – I've been ready for, <laughs> for Dylan to be gone a couple of years myself. Being a, being a North Carolina Tar Heels fan and him playing an Oregon team at Final Four, I've never been really a uh, – a uh, Dylan Brooks fan, but I mean, he and you saw already, he's already, you know, pulling some tricks down there against suspended the last game. But yeah, I, I've I've never understood the, the fascination with Dylan Brooks. I mean, I, of course, anybody that's in the NBA is, is a great player who can be any any Joe Smoke like like it's nothing. But Dylan Brooks is one of those players where I feel like he's not necessarily doing what he needs to do to kind of stick around and make it niche. It's kind of like he's doing something out of his character, but who knows? But yeah, I think the Grizzlies were a lot better without without uh, Dylan Brooks. Well, here's the thing about the Grizzlies. There's one thing that they are going to get that they did not have for the second uh, most of the second half of the season, and that's their that's their enforcer, their big guy. Yeah. And you know, any time that Memphis has Steven Adams on the floor, they are a team that can win a ball that can win the ball game. Yeah. I think he's no one matter of the who they're playing players. Yeah, definitely. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Like you said, you can just feel the, the energy shift once he got injured last year and, and anytime he's on the floor it's you know he's gonna get you at least close to double double. He'll knock down some threes every now and then and he'll do whatever needs to be done. And, and kind of how you saw with the little scuffle with the Lakers last year, you know, he, he has no problem getting in the middle of stuff and enforcing whether it's, you know, during the play or in between plays. Steven Adams definitely somebody that, that changes the team no matter what team it is. And Grizzly is fortunate to have him at this moment. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly glad he's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like seeing him on <laughs> others. Uh, speaking of teams that have been without great players, the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, yeah. Zion has been an issue. Uh, and it's so crazy how 
you know, ever since the two went back to back in the draft, it's been, oh, would you rather have Zion or would you rather have Ja? And it seems like they've obviously Zion has has had his fair share of injuries and you know the the overweight situation that he had, you know, last year and all of that. But of course Ja has had his share of injuries as well and right. off the court issues that have plagued him. So it's almost like they've been working to see who can screw up the most. <laughs> but Zion healthy makes the Pelicans very good. He does. He does. Zion's one of the most explosive players I've ever seen. One of the most most dominant. He'll his stat lines are incredible. Especially it's hard to have somebody score that efficiently at the basket. Still be able to shoot a three, still be able to drive. As big as he is, you know, he's almost like Braun in, in the sense of just an indestructible and immovable force when they come down the lane. And the fact he has missed so much time, it kind of makes you question, you know, can he sustain that over a long period of time? And I think that will determine his greatness. If he can go out this season and prove, hey, I can play, you know, 70, you know, even 65 games at a high level, I think that kind of changes his trajectory as as, as an NBA player. And, definitely changes the trajectory of that team. They have some pieces around them, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, that, that can really, you know, make some noise out west. They, they have a really good team, and I think Zion's that missing piece. Yeah, I mean, you and then you got, you know, Herb Jones out of Alabama, big guy as well. This is a team, and you mentioned Brandon Ingram. I think that, you know, Ingram is probably kind of the, the key cog in the event that Zion isn't able to give you a full season but with both of those guys the the pelicans certainly you know could play a role when playoff season rolls around um one other team wanted to ask you about before we get out of here is the la clippers (laughs) you know they they've got a ton of star power but it just feels like they can't they can't get over that hump. Mm-hmm. What can they put it all together this year? Can they? Yes. Will they? I, I highly doubt it. They, yes. They, they really. It's, Is it a Clippers thing? I think so. It's almost like the curse. It's almost like they have to get away from LA and maybe go to another city or start over because they, like, whether it was Live City or even back with Darius Miles and those guys that were, that were young and showed promise, it's always like the promise never gets fulfilled. You know, Lob City is one of the best teams in the league year in and year out, and they got this mental, you know, bits and pieces. And of course, you bring over Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George, and you think you have the two best two-way players in the league on your team, and, and one hardly plays, one has been out due to injury. You know, you have some roster shaped up, you know, and I – I, I love Ty Lue. I think he's one of the greatest coaches uh, in the game right now. He's actually actually my favorite NBA player of all time, but we won't, ask, we won't talk about, about his playing days. But I, I really think he can. he's the coach that can put a team together like the Clippers and, and take them to the championship. But it's so hard when you have you know, injured Kawhi Leonard, injured Paul George, and then you're playing in the shadows of L.A. <laughs> Lakers. It's just, it's just hard to put together for that team. But I think they always had the pieces that, that they could be there. And then you got to compete against 
Phoenix and yep. Dallas and Denver and, <laughs> and everybody else that's in the West. It's not easy to do. Yep. So man, it this is this is gonna be a fun season of NBA basketball, man. If you if you had to, you know, if you had to say who is who is the favorite right now to win not not your prediction, but who would you say is is your betting favorite? If you had to place a bet today on somebody, who would it be? I go with the Bucks. I go with the Bucks. Not I'm not one that's usually keen on teams coming together and instantly being successful. You know, it's really last time probably happened was LeBron and Miami Heat. But when you have pieces like like Damian Lillard and, and Giannis that complement each other so well, it's hard not to see them coming in and gelling and fit. You essentially swap out Drew Holiday. Damian Lillard, and you already have a championship coach. You have a championship player, and Giannis. It's hard to see those those ingredients not mixing to, to at least a finals appearance and, and probably a win. Uh, I don't think you know Lakers out west, Denver out west, Phoenix, and it, we'll throw in the Celtics. It's hard to see those guys uh, really giving them as much trouble as they could give somebody else. I can't disagree with you, man. I can't disagree with you. Uh, if if there was a long shot, who's the long shot team to make some noise and get to the finals? My long shot team, I I go Grizzlies. I think you can consider them a long shot. Uh, like I said, I think they'll stay up. It's weird that you can consider the team that's been the two seed the last two years yeah. a long shot. Yeah, it's crazy. I, 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 like I said, I think they'll stay afloat. They'll swing five games when Jai's out. He's come back, giving them a spark. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll have a roster shakeup here or there. Maybe another key defensive piece. But like they had the pieces that, that they can make a deep run. And, and once you get down to the end, it, it's anybody's game, especially this year. So I, I think they'll. I think they have a shot to get there. I would love to see it. That's all I'm <laughs> gonna say. I would love to see it. I would too. Xavier, man, appreciate you taking some time with me today. It's been a lot of fun learning a little bit more about the NBA. Hope you got a little. Uh, I hope you got a little bit of. Of research in for for fantasy yeah, and, and learned a little bit extra maybe maybe you got the upper hand right now i've been first and second the last four years so i'm hoping to keep it going hey we hope you do man i appreciate you taking some time with us and uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road oh yeah definitely thank you for having me all right, that's xavier smith of the wilson post make sure to go follow him the best x that x is it's a great Twitter handle, isn't it, Justin? That might be my favorite Twitter handle of any guests we've had, JK. Yeah, that's solid for sure. <laughs> it's as good as it is. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it is the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. Wild and Wacky Wednesday right here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Y'all stick around. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. 
Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Am I here, Justin? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm having trouble. I was opening some, some of my, my story links, and eventually it just started saying that it couldn't open the, the page. And I got very worried that I was no longer here and that you were going to have to carry the show. No, I uh, – so when Xavier, when y'all were finishing talking to each other – uh, like you said, all right, well, thanks for coming on. And then my screen froze. So I thought for sure when it unfroze, y'all were going to be both looking at like, why, <laughs> why hasn't he pulled? What, what's it happening out? right now? So yeah. right now I am actually seeing the title card up on, <laughs> so I have no idea if, if people can see me. I, I assume they can, but. Yeah, anyway. no, we, uh, yep. You're Who Crystal knows? <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Uh, glad you guys can see me. I can't see myself, but that's okay. I don't need to see myself. I just need to know that I'm here. There you go. Well, it is time for the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. Justin, are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's start in Florida, <laughs> where down in the Keys, it's paradise, right? Oh, I hear. Yeah, it's, it's paradise down there. It's beautiful year-round. Well... Unless you live next to Benjamin Scott Holroyd, 
65-year-old who was confronted on Friday, October 6th, according to an arrest report, and admitted that the more than two tons of garbage that was illegally dumped on the side of the road was his. 10,380 pounds of garbage. What? How do you even have a vehicle big enough to dump that? Here's my question. This, and, and as I look at this, there's a there's a picture that I've, I've found. It, it's big stuff. I mean, this is like, this is big stuff. This is like, I can't, coolers and uh, tarps and whatnot. I mean, it's kind of hard to see what this picture is, but like you can tell it's, it's very bulky items, right? Yeah. So this means that the garbage people, the, the solid waste people probably didn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. What's the nearest dump to the Florida Keys? <laughs> That's you a know, very good question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, did he have to travel four hours just to get it somewhere? Did, why, are, why are they not doing bulky pickup? Or maybe they are and he just didn't want to pay for it? I don't I mean, I've got a lot of questions, to be honest with right, you. Right, like, did it build up? I mean, obviously it built up, but was it... Something you put off? Has he been actively trying to get rid of the garbage? Yeah, that's my question. Is has enough? he been actively trying to get rid of this garbage? Because I mean, there's like a there there's a I, I guess a trailer like a hauling trailer uh, frame here with like four good tires on it. Hey, what are we doing? A dog then, crate? I mean, just like to watch the world burn. I, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand any of it. There's nothing makes sense to me. I wonder uh, if they don't have a like a haul off service there. How did they haul off that stuff? <laughs> exactly. Doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, that's Florida man for you. What what, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Right. Uh, let me see if I can open this before we go. I really want to read this story. The the headline is phenomenal. Aha, it has opened. A Florida man who started out his day looking for work ended up behind bars. A 23-year-old went to the Pilot Travel Center in Lake Wales for a job interview, but is now accused of stealing a vehicle from outside the business. (laughs) At 4.30 p.m. Friday, deputies responded to the convenience store and spoke with the manager who said <laughs> who said it was unclear how the suspect arrived for the appointment. We clearly didn't get there via car because he felt like he needed one. <laughs> Anybody else? He it? told they, the, the manager there said, well, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's so many cars out here. I figured I'd just take one. Who needs all these cars? <laughs> Where's everybody going? He said he advised the potential employee that that no one was there to conduct the interview and was told to come back on Monday. I bet he doesn't come back on Monday. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's funny. It, that reminds me. I, I saw today, ironically, there was this uh, person that tweeted, "I got a job interview at or at Walmart, and the interview was them showing me a tape of myself stealing from Walmart." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brutal. 
That's brutal. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, here's the thing. At least he stole a car that was worth stealing. Right. 2022 Cadillac XT4 SUV. Wow. He said he was driving to West, from West Palm Beach to Trinity in Pasco County for a weekend getaway and stopped at the pilot to grab snacks, including chocolate. Not sure why including chocolate. Is, is chocolate not like a normal snack? Yeah, like, don't worry. You got chocolate. Well, including chocolate. It's like, that's not that uncommon. <laughs> I don't understand why that was important to note in the story. <laughs> like, Maybe they thought you needed to at least tell us one thing you got. <laughs> <laughs> including Sour Patch Kids, but only the watermelon. <laughs> Look at Looked over the raisinets and grabbed Mike and Ike. <laughs> it would have been better if they were like not including chocolate. Yeah, it could have. I mean, honestly, it would have been equivalent to them being like. And there was another person at the same gas station getting a coke. <laughs> no, I don't understand this at all. So, so he, so here's the thing: he purchases his items, which includes chocolate, apparently, <laughs> and leaves the store. Then he said, oh, I need to check my lottery ticket. So he put the snacks in his car, turned the engine on because he did not want the chocolate to melt. Now we know why the chocolate is important to the story. Ah. See, sometimes you just got to keep reading. Right. Hold, hold the question till the end. <laughs> hold up. I may answer your question and what I'm going to say. Oh, but it wouldn't have been nearly as fun to talk about if we did it that way. The victim believed he had locked the car, but when he returned, he saw someone inside. He shouted at the suspect and stood in front of the, the hood of the car, pleading with him to get out. The man obviously ignored the request, shifted into driving, and actually tried to run him over. Um, it, the SUV took off, but because it was outfitted with remote OnStar technology, every move was tracked. Uh, deputies chased after the Winter Haven resident who was headed toward I-4 at speeds of up to 100 miles an hour in the right-hand emergency lane. After 20 minutes, OnStar switched the engine off. Why 20 minutes? Like, that's a long way. They're like 10 you minutes in. Like, like five minutes? Give me 10 more minutes. Let's see what happens here. <laughs> well, here's what happens. So the OnStar take, turns the engine off. And then he loses control of the car and crashes. Ah. Wow, so that's a lot of power. I guess they were trying to avoid that. Right. But the SUV flipped multiple times, landing upside down. Uh, the man was only slightly injured and was able to get out of the car and actually began running into the woods, but was detained after a brief struggle. He was booked on various charges, including grand theft auto and resisting arrest. Deputies also recovered a handgun in the car, so he was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. First of all, he tried to run the man over. That's attempted murder, I think. Yeah, I'd say a car is a pretty good weapon. That's a, that's 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 a deadly weapon. I mean, and and I, and I was aggravated while I assaulted him with the car. <laughs> and here's the worst part: the guy doesn't have a car or any snacks. Right. I was about to say, like maybe he got caught. Like he could have got away from it if he ran fast but he went back to the car and grabbed the chocolate <laughs> he's like oh, he's I'm like, gonna have this chocolate to survive and the cop's like i understand i get it <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> speaking of crimes, a sizable and mischievous, uh, let's call them perpetrator, is on track for a new life after spending days disrupting traffic and damaging property in Aurora, Colorado. Fred was spotted on the streets September 24th when the, when the city received its first call about this perpetrator in traffic. But Fred evaded uh, officers that afternoon and over the next few days, the city received multiple sightings, mostly around traffic and digging up landscaping. At some point, Fred what a uh, gained... Do what? I said, what a minute. Yeah, well, Fred gained a rope lasso at some point and was uh, trailing it around his neck, indicating clearly someone tried to catch him and failed. <laughs> it's unclear who the attempted captor was, uh, but the lasso was not the doing of officers. But on September 27th, Fred's troublemaking, dubbed a multi-day city crime spree, came to a close. But he didn't give himself up easily. He was being loud and a little dramatic. And it took five employees, three park employees, and at least two other employees to successfully capture Fred, which involved creating a makeshift alley out of wooden panels and corralling him into a trailer. Do you uh, know what Fred is? I was about to say, is, uh, is he a moose? Fred is a giant pig. <laughs> And when I say giant, I mean giant. This is a big old pig. 400 to 600 pounds. Nobody knows his weight for sure because the shelter does not have a scale big enough to weigh him. Oh, that is a flex. <laughs> if I'm a pig, that is my goal. I, CBS News Colorado has this story. I almost want to call Justin Adams and be like, dude, what's up with the pig? Yeah. Our guy out in Denver. Like, dude, what's up with the pig? Need to know what's going on with this pig. Yeah, Fred, man, he was he was out there doing it. Man, he was. Uh, can you imagine if you're if, if you get a call for a pig in traffic? You know, I would think maybe in Colorado it's different, but I bet in the big you know big cities aside from Colorado, getting a phone call like that as a cop would be kind of like fun, you know? It's like finally something that's yeah not really that dramatic exactly. yeah I, I i mean aurora is a pretty sizable town probably mm -hmm. like you know franklin lebanon that size right. maybe so but this is wild i mean i want to know where the pig came from why was he so angsty it's like i'm just a big why was pig. he so anxious to get away right that's all i'm asking so, so what? So we don't know what ended up happening to Fred. Uh, he's uh, he's currently hanging out with the animal control off, uh, services. Free, free Fred, man. Free Fred. Who squealed on Fred? Who squealed? <laughs> man, <laughs> the cops were trying to corner him, and he's like, "I smell bacon." <laughs> uh, like, Wait, but... We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Hey, you know, have you ever had an ex that you just wanted to be really petty against? Yeah, no, I fight that urge. Totally. I'm just kidding. 
because you know me, I'm I am I am petty patty. I am you know <laughs> there are levels to petty that I haven't reached yet that are my goals. <laughs> and petty petty, Michael Arnold may have reached the level of petty to which I aspire. Okay. He, uh, I wouldn't want to take the charges because he's being charged with aggravated stalking. Ooh, that's um, impressive. But here's the thing. He <laughs> he was he was violated from a protection order, charged with resisting arrest and impeding a public officer, providing false information. After this is great, this is so good. He threw tomatoes at a woman from his small plane. Wow, uh, like in just here? Do you, okay. Did you ever see the WKRP episode, WKRP Cincinnati, or any clips from this where the turkeys were falling out of the sky? Like they threw frozen turkeys from the plane. I've heard of it. I never. I don't think I saw it though. Or not. I don't guess they were frozen. But he he says, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly." Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, this is what I like. I I imagine this guy's like got a just a box of tomatoes up there, and he's flying his plane and just dropping them on her house, just pelting her house with these things. He has to. Here's the thing. He was released on several conditions, including that he have no contact with the woman, not stalker, and stay 300 feet from her home and business, as well as away from all airplanes. He has now been banned from flying He's because because that's how he got around it, right? He's like, well, I wasn't three. I wasn't within 300 feet of her. I was 500 feet in the air. I gotta say, that's kind of clever. I mean, obviously. <laughs> He's not, you know, the the crime is. is it's not a great guy. No, not, he's not. No, terrible guy. If only but, he could use that for maybe anything else like that. Yeah, yeah. Use use your knowledge for good, Michael. Oh, this is brutal. Like what? Right. Apparently, the FAA told him he couldn't fly. Instead, he flies over Schuler, Schulerville to take pictures for the Facebook community page, according to the affidavit. Uh, it's 30 miles northwest of the Bennington Airport, and the the town basically like was like, "Nah, man, no more, <laughs> no more planes for you." Yeah, we're just not gonna let him get on a plane. Anyway, oh, it's been so much fun. <laughs> this has been a blast. Thank you guys yeah. for hanging out with us here today and, and and for for dealing with my shenanigans uh justin do you have a traffic report for us? <laughs> uh, there, there are multiple traffic cars like over there well you know what speaking of wild and wacky did you see the story where the people got out of their cars on i-40 and like walked to bna because of traffic i saw the like a like an article and like a thumbnail yeah, there's a news story about that How crazy i mean then that's you know not what? yeah that's not a good place to walk it's not a good place to walk, but like I kind of get it. <laughs> no, honestly, because of the way it is too, like the long line you see yourself about to have to wait in. Well, I mean, like, I don't understand why why people didn't just you know 
get on the shoulder and drive into BNA, or was it, or, you know, was it a line that far out of BNA? I don't know. I don't know exactly because I didn't read the story, but like that was crazy. Right. People walking on the side of I forty <laughs> to get to the airport. I wonder if it was like one person did it and then like another person was like, yeah. <laughs> "Oh, you're the first person. You're like, screw it, I'm gone." And yeah, and then the next person you're like, "Heck yeah, I got a buddy." And then there's 40 behind it looks like, you know, you're now you're Forrest Gump yeah, running like, across the country. People are walking like, I, I think we have to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, this is where we anyway, <laughs> what a wild and wacky Wednesday. Come back tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll have more and more. We'll be back. See you then.